It's time for Making It Personal, a personalized SC podcast. Let's jump into today's episode. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Making It Personal podcast. I am your host, Carrie Fersner, and today I am joined by some very special guests. Today we have with us Jennifer Gibbons and Andrea Moore from River Bluff High. And I also have joining me today my colleague, Kristen Logan from the Office of Personalized Learning. Welcome, ladies. We'll go ahead and jump into the conversation. Before we do, though, take a moment and introduce yourselves to our audience and just tell them a little bit about where you teach and what you teach. My name is Jennifer Gibbons, and I am in my 24th year in education. And I have taught a wide variety of math, but all at the high school level. And currently, I'm teaching Algebra 1 and Pre-Calculus. I am Andrea Moore, and this semester, I am teaching Geometry Honors. Awesome, awesome. We're so glad to have you guys here. Before we jump in, just as a quick overview, um, if you didn't get a chance to check out our last episode, we just started somewhat of a new series highlighting the South Carolina competencies. So before we dive any further into our conversation with you all, um, Kristen, I, I would love for you to take a moment and just in case anyone's listening and they've never heard of the South Carolina competencies before, could you kind of give us a brief overview? What are they? How are they designed? Tell us a little bit more about the competencies. Sure. Um, so the South Carolina competencies were designed to align with the profile of a South Carolina graduate. Um, we know that on the profile, we have the world-class knowledge, um, skills, and life and career characteristics characteristics. And what we are striving to do with the competencies is make sure that um, our students have the opportunity to exhibit those skills that are on the profile. And so our competencies are designed right around that. Um, To give you an idea, uh, we have 12 competencies. They are using sources, designing solutions, reasoning quantitatively, navigating conflict, leading teams, sustaining wellness, investigating through inquiry, expressing ideas, reading critically, learning independently, developing networks, and engaging as a citizen. And you'll notice the language is not the exact language that's on the profile, and that is intentional um, because we wanted to make sure that the actual actions of what a student would do to exhibit those skills and characteristics were uh, observable. Um, And you can learn about that, as Carrie said, if you listen to uh, episode 17 um, from the podcast that we did prior to this one. Um, But I did want to tell you a little bit about the the setup of the competencies as well, just to kind of give you an idea of of what they look like. Um, So as I said, there are 12 competencies. And for each of those competencies, there is a continuum that was developed. And the continuums have a have the skills lifted, listed on the left-hand column of each of the continuums, and they are those skills that are needed to achieve the competency. And for example, learning independently has four skills that make up uh, learning independently, which is goal setting, um, looking at making a plan, monitoring, adjusting, and taking strategic action. Um, then across the top, we have seven levels. Uh, those are not grade-specific. And so just to give you a context, seven is adult. Um, It's probably beyond like graduate level adult. So um, and uh, goes all the way down to pre-K. And so we know that our students are um, in lots of different places. And so depending on the skills and um, and the students itself, the range can vary for where a student might fall on those continuums. 
Um, the other piece is that inside each of those skills, there are little I can statements that describe what it would look like at each level if the student was performing um, that given skill. And um, when you're thinking about those, just to give you an idea, they're intentionally written as I can statements so that they are student friendly and, and forward facing. And uh, you might notice if you do dig into them, there are some bolding letters on there and that lets you know when the rigor has increased and changed um, from one level to the next. The last little piece I might say about it is uh, if you were assessing um, student progress, we do use the rule of the whole enchilada. So if a student um, can do all of the I can statements that are in, in a given performance indicator, then that means they are competent in that particular level and that their next steps would be to, to move to the next level. Um, so that is just a little uh, snapshot into um, what the competencies are, how they're set up. And if you would like um, to know more, we'd love for you to visit our uh, website at personalizedsc.ed.sc.gov and head towards our PD page to uh, actually see what our competencies look like. Thank you so much for that overview, Kristen. Now, to kind of jump into things, um, Jennifer and Andrea, one question that I have for you is how were you first introduced to the competencies? And just give us your real, raw, authentic first impression. Um, so I'll talk about it first because I was first exposed to them okay. and then Jennifer was later um, because of our work together. So about two, two and a half years ago, I was invited by my administrators to go to some professional learning um, with some other school leaders to learn about the competencies. I had no clue what it was. Um, and the PL, like I think it was about every couple months, we attended sessions with a few other people from across the state um, just to learn what are these things? How are people starting to use them in their class? Um, my first impression was that it was a lot of stuff. Um, if we're being honest, I was very overwhelmed um, because I saw, like, as Krista was saying, all 12 things and all the continuums. And I was like, how do we do this? Um, but one of the really cool things I saw is that it relates to something we have at River Bluff called the habits of success. And so these are skills that we want our students to have outside of just content specific knowledge. Um, for example, we talked to them about um, what is citizenship citizenship look like in our school and when they go out into the community. And so I saw this very real and authentic connection between the two. Um, but I did at first feel like, whoa, that's a lot of stuff. So we started looking at how we were going to teach our foundation and intermediate students and kind of um, meet their needs a little differently in our school. And so we were creating a class called Algebra Prep. And we were talking about how we wanted to grade these students because we didn't want it to be a class of skill and drill because we knew they were already getting that in their Algebra 1 class. We were thinking more of a, a class that we would be teaching them how to think, how to respond, how to do a bunch of different things that would help them be successful in their classes. And we had started talking about, well, how are we going to grade them? You know, if we're not going to give them paper pencil, how are we going to grade them? And so we were at a workshop over one summer and we saw a presentation on the competencies and one of our assistant principals said, yeah, yeah, that's it. I want you to look at this. I really want you to think about this and use this as the way to grade it. And so that's the first time I had seen it. And I like Andrea, it, it, when you see it, 12 different areas with seven different levels and you're going, how, how, you know, you're, you're just blindsided when you see it at first. Um, and 
that I, I do want to say it is so beautiful once you start getting into it and looking at it and narrowing it down. Um, and so that was my first impression and first introduction to the competencies. Yeah. And I'd say, I think we were both a little overwhelmed because we were also planning a new course at the same time. Um, and it was a very different way of thinking of grading. And so we were grappling with that as well as, oh, we have all these competencies and we thought we had to do all of them. Uh, <laughs> and that is not the case at all. Um, you pick what matches your class and fits your setting and your students and their needs. Um, so that helped us get a little bit more like, oh, okay, we don't have to do all the things all at once. <laughs> No, I really appreciate you all for sharing that and just being transparent because that's that's real. Um, and so to kind of segue past that, so you're introduced. Um, how did you actually start using them? Because you you talked about um, how you um, took a look at them and you were trying to figure out how will these actually work for us in our context? Because, you know, what good is a resource unless we can actually use it? So let's talk about how you actually got started with using the competencies in your classroom? I think one of the first ways we started using them um, was we looked at the goal setting ones. I think it is labeled as learning independently um, in the competencies because we were again working this into Algebra Prep Lab and we noticed that one of the things our students really needed was to set goals to help them be successful um, and have something that they could work towards and that we could monitor their progress around and, um, you know, rework goals and have reflections on. And so we chose that one to dive into first. Um, and we started doing reflection questions around the monitoring progress and taking strategic action. And I would say we were paired with a coach that helped us do that. And so the way that we started doing it actually changed month to month um, as we worked with her and with our students, we realized, okay, let's try this. Oh, that didn't quite work exactly how we thought, or maybe we wanted a different result. And so then we would modify the tool we were using, or we would add something else into our practice. Um, but we would, I think that's where we started was the learning independently competency. Jennifer might remember more. Oh, no, I was going to say, and, and unfortunately, right when I felt like we had gotten the competencies in front of the kids, we had let them rate themselves and start actually seeing what is a level one, level two, level three, where do I fall in that? Um, then we hit COVID. And so that, that then, of course, mm. changed everything about what we were doing with them, too, because I really had felt like we were finally hitting a groove and then we got backed up. Um, but it did give us some time to stop and think for next year, how do we plan that in there a little more intentionally in the activities that we do with our students? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, so you started there, is that where you stayed or have you found other uses for the competencies since your beginning? Well, I definitely would say we found more uses, especially within that one class, we were able to say, okay, not only do we want to do goal setting, but we want to do growth mindset. And so we ended up with three units that we started pulling the competencies in. And we use that not for grading purposes, but more for growth and monitoring within the unit for the students and getting a lot of feedback from them about saying, all right, where am I and how can I start growing myself within this competency to make myself better? And so Again, it wasn't the tool to grade, it was the tool to grow and to get feedback from 
And then this semester, so we did prep lab in the fall because of COVID, we had semester classes. So that's what we did in the fall. And then for this semester, Jennifer and I have different classes. Um, so we're not working together, but we have started to incorporate them into our current classes. Um, so for geometry, I teach mostly freshmen and then some sophomores. And something I noticed that they needed help on is the monitoring progress part and then using that to take strategic action. And so that's also under learning or learning independently. Um, but I just took a different route than how I used it in prep lab. So we're using it this semester in geometry as a reflection tool when they take assessments, whether they're formative or summative. Um, they're reflecting on those assessments intentionally and then um, saying, okay, now I have all this data and this information. How can I take and use it to move forward? And so we're still using the learning independently competency and we're still reflecting because that's very important. Um, but it just looks a little bit different in my geometry class than it did in my algebra. And Jennifer is taking a very different route in her algebra class. And I was, that's funny that you say it's different because I was always <laughs> thinking that it's, it's similar in the thought. Um, so what we've done or what I've done in algebra one is use the competencies. And I think mine is constructing responses um, and so pairing that up with the South Carolina standards for math and algebra one and using that for learning target tracker for students to recognize where am I and what is my end goal for this unit. And so they use that for a lot of formative assessments throughout the unit to know if they're progressing towards mastery and success when we get to the end of the unit assessment. I love it. I love both of those examples. I have a follow up question, though. How exactly do the students kind of um, reflect using the competencies? Is that like a form that you have that they um, fill out? Is it like a e-portfolio journal that they keep? Or is it like a conversation that you have with them? Like structurally, how is that set up? All yes. of the above. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Um, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So in our prep lab classes, we did conferences, they wrote reflections and they had a portfolio mm -hmm. in my geometry class. They're writing reflections. And then I have a lot more of those students. So they're more sharing them together. I read their written reflections. Um, but the sharing out loud part comes in smaller groups just because of the size of those classes for me. And I would say um, for the Algebra 1 kids, theirs are written reflections. Um, but sometimes it's even just a very quick verb, but not verbal, sorry, visual reflection. So mine are on posters around the room and they self-assess at the very beginning of a unit. And that lets them know and lets me know where is everybody? Are we at the very beginning at a level one or is this a skill that you already brought with you from middle school and you're already at a level three? Well, then I can advance you even further. And so it's a very quick visual in the beginning. And then as we get into the unit, they start really having to sit down and write reflections about, okay, I took this quiz yesterday. I didn't do well. Now let me really talk about what skills it was that I missed. And her posters have color coded dots. I think she has, you have three different colors, right? For like beginning, middle and end of the unit. So there's that visual as well. A question came to mind uh, just now um, that someone might ask who's maybe never done this before. That question being, um, how do you find time in, you know, teaching the content, teaching the standards? How do you find time to interwork the competencies? And also, is it worth the time? 
to you? Have you seen the benefits of it? I'll say as far as the time goes, I started small and it's grown. Like each time I go back around, here's a new unit. Now I'm making it grow a little bit bigger. And in fact, it gets a little geeky that I get a little excited. You know, when I, I do something, I'm like, oh, that didn't work, but I know a better way now. And I talk <laughs> to somebody and I can pull this in. So um, the, the time it makes itself, you know, it's not overwhelming because I didn't try to jump to the final product. It, it is an in motion kind of thing. Oh, and there was another part and I can't think of what I was going to even say. What was the rest of that question? <laughs> oh, I guess the, the second part of that question was, is it worth the time? Like, have you seen the benefits? Um, I'm working on the benefits with my students to, you know, hopefully those students who are struggling, I'm trying to help them learn that this is how we narrow down the focus instead of coming into your teacher and saying, I need help with everything. How can you very specifically narrow that focus down so that you can better benefit from targeted help? Yeah, or even learn how to advocate for yourself. Yeah. yeah, and I would echo what Jennifer is saying. Definitely the way that you make time for it is with anything with teaching. You're not just going to like overhaul and you now be overwhelming. Just to be like, I'm going to do all these things and do them all at this high level. Um, we started small and showing yourself grace because we have messed up and we have been like, oh, that's not okay. Or, oh, I want to change this. Um, so start small and show yourself as like we show our students a lot of grace. You want to show yourself grace when you're trying stuff out um, and knowing that, hey, it's not going to be perfect. But as Jennifer said, we've built it up. Like we've only been doing this a year, a little over a year now. And it's already so different than what we were doing last fall. Um, so definitely start small and it'll become more part of your practice and you can continue to expand. And as to the worth of it, um, especially this semester, I've seen that um, a lot of times I take on as a teacher when my students do an assessment and I hear them say things like, well, that was just too hard or not enough time. You know, I, I take that on as a teacher and I'm like, oh goodness, what, what did I do? And, um, but I would say shifting and having my students reflect on their assessments and we align it to their learning targets. And we talk about how they prepare, um, you know, what does this mean moving forward? How can you use this information? Cause a lot of times students will see like a 70 and they get stuck on that number. And what do we do with that number? Um, and so just being really transparent with them that if we can delve into what that learning means and use it to move forward, that's going to help them a lot more. And I've seen my students own their learning this semester um, and say things like, oh, well, now I know what I need to study or, oh, I just made a whole bunch of careless calculation errors or I really didn't understand the triangle inequality theorem. Um, and so they're naming stuff more now than when I just didn't take the time to reflect. And so sometimes we feel pressured, like we have to get through all the content. Um, but for me, it's been more valuable to spend a little more time to reflect so that the kids understand what their learning is saying to them and that they can move forward and progress. Yes, yes. I agree with all of that. I love all of that. Now, you all are both high school and your math teachers. What would you say to someone who says, well, competencies, they won't work for my content? Or competencies, they won't work for my grade level. What would you say to that person? You want me to take that? I mean, I think if you're talking to anybody who has the hardest time making something fit to their content, it's math. 
And if the math people can do it, <laughs> right, <laughs> then just about anybody can. Because, um, you know, uh, we've got some colleagues in some other areas who are using it. And I've been a little jealous that they can go straight to the competency and lift things straight out because it's just so user friendly to their content. So I guess my suggestion would be take it small and really it if you spend some time with it, you can make just about anything fit. And Sorry, I was thinking about the authenticity piece there. Like, don't just pick something. Um, there's one called reasoning quantitatively. And ironically, Jennifer and I have not used that one in our classes yet. Um, we've used the other ones. And so you need to look through them and find one that would authentically connect to you and your students. If you're doing a project, there are some about working together as teams. And so I think it's thinking about what do my students need help on? Um, and the competencies lay out the skills so nicely because I think sometimes I would get frustrated. I'd be like, well, we're working together in groups. Don't you understand what that means? Um, but they don't necessarily understand that unless it's laid out for them. And so the competencies will help you do that. They'll say, hey, when you're working in a group, these are the skills and the things we're looking for. And this is how you can get better at working in groups. Um, at least that's what I've seen when I've used the ones in my classroom is I've picked ones that authentically connect. I'm always annoyed that my students don't understand how to use their formatives to prepare for their summatives. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, nobody has ever explicitly taught them that. So that's why they don't know that. So I picked the monitoring progress <laughs> strand and I've taken time to, you know, make sure that I'm doing that in an authentic, natural way in my classroom and not make it seem like I'm just putting a square peg in a round hole. It's like, oh no, this is something my kids need to work on. So let me focus on that. Thank you, ladies, so much. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. All right, we are back with Jennifer and Andrea from River Bluff High, and we're back just in time for our special segment that I like to call making it or breaking it. All right, ladies. So I want you to share with me either a make and a make can be something cool that either you've seen or that you've done in the realm of personalized student learning or a break could be an issue, a barrier or concern or something that we in education need to break in order to give personalized learning a chance for students. So which will it be make or break? Um, something that I have become frustrated with in doing personalized learning is I wish I did not have to assign a number grade to things. Um, we as teachers have to do that. Um, I, I understand why we've had to do that, but, um, through doing the competencies and reflections and portfolios of my students, um, Sometimes it's really disheartening to have to assign a number to that um, because it's really hard to put a number on growth. And that's something that Jennifer and I have grappled with a whole lot um, is we want our kids to grow and focus on the growth. And as soon as we assign a number to it, you can almost see walls and barriers going up in my kids' brains um, about like, well, why did I get this and not that grade? Um, and so I wish it could be just solely focused on growth 
and the Andrea of eight years ago would probably be shocked that I was saying that today. Um, but it has definitely changed my thinking around um, students' growth and learning to work with the competencies. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Oh, I would say a make for me was listening to my students describe their learning and describe their growth. Because as a teacher, sometimes you miss what's going on in the background. And when you get in that one-on-one conversation with students and they have to justify themselves and they talk about themselves in other classrooms. So they're saying, I'm learning this from you and I'm applying it over here. It is such an aha feeling and an amazing moment to hear them say those kind of things. Yes, because there's so much more that goes into learning than just that number that ties into mine, is mm. that you learn so much more about your kids and you know them at such a deeper level. And that reflection piece has been super cool for me, for me too. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Kristen, do you have anything that you'd like to add? I don't have any follow-up questions. I just, uh, I've got chills just thinking about the the, the work that you all are doing and, and um, how you're serving your students and just, um, you know, hope that people can hear this story and, and reach out to you guys and, and ask questions um, or try things, um, try these competencies for themselves. Thanks. And, and to that note, um, if there's anyone in our audience who would like to follow your journeys or reach out to you because they've heard something that's inspired them, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you all? Email. <laughs> yeah, probably our school email. So mine is more. so A-M-M-O-O-R-E at Lexington and then the number one dot net. And then I'm J-G-I-B-B-O-N-S at Lexington1.net. Awesome. Well, thank you, ladies, once again, so much for joining us. We'll be right back to close things out. Thanks again for tuning in to today's episode of Making It Personal. Connect with the Office of Personalized Learning by visiting our website, SC. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, share with a friend, and tune in for a new episode every month. We'll catch you next time on Making It Personal. See ya!